Did you know that a simple printer malfunction nearly cost a country $1 billion? Or that a 22-year-old hacker stopped millions of people around the world from getting their computers infected with malware, only to turn around and be arrested for his criminal past? We discuss all this and more in today's episode of My Friend Has Never Listened to a Podcast. Welcome back, James. Hey, buddy. Welcome, welcome. How are you doing? I'm all good. I've got a little bit of a chesty cough, which is quite annoying. But other than that, I'm all good. Those dulcet tones coming through on the radio I know. today. I know. <laughs> How um, about you? Oh, no, I'm, go- I'm all good. I just um, got back from uh, a week of work. So um, my body was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but a bit of shock. But good to get back into it. And uh, later today, we are going to our first prenatal class. So I'm not sure if it's Ooh. quite late on because we're five weeks out as of today, which seems wow. really close. But yeah, I, I don't know. If it's, I, I've got the American stuff in my mind of maybe learning to be like that. I, I can't help you, dude. I've got no idea what you're in for, but please do let us all know. Yeah, I will. I will. So, yeah, no, that's what I'm up to for my weekend. How about you? What do you got on, Oz? Well, I've just been doing some work for a Canadian client, so I've been working nights. So I'm just getting back into my normal, not being a nocturnal worker <laughs> as I'm heading on the road again tomorrow. An owl, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're doing the changeover, right, from night to day? Shift. Doing the changeover. <laughs> I'm feeling good. So, apart from apart from a bit chesty, I'm all good. Something we've consulted our clients on ages, but now you're experiencing. <laughs> like yeah, I know. It's shift over day. How are you managing your fatigue? Yeah, yeah, crack up. Um, I recorded a podcast during my downtime. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, this week we looked at a podcast called The Lazarus Heist. And holy shit, Oz, you have been holding on to this one. And I loved it. Like, I thought it was brilliant. Well, I hadn't even been holding on to it, James. I was waiting for it to finish oh, because obviously there was like 10 episodes and I recommended it to you before it had even finished because mm. I knew it was going to be an absolute cracker. And what we need to let our listeners know is that this isn't the end of the Lazarus Heist either. Uh, there are more episodes that come out later, but what they've done is release the first 10 episodes as almost like series one. And uh-huh. whoa, we're going to talk about them today because you need to get out there and listen to them. And if you don't, if you aren't convinced just by reading the synopsis, let us tell you why you need this podcast in your life. The Lazarus Heist is a BBC World Service podcast. I love a lot of the BBC World Service podcasts. They are so well made and the journalistic investigations that go on are just phenomenal. And I'd never even heard about these hacks, James. No, are these the same people that brought us... The Missing Crypto Queen, Oz? Is that World uh, Service? It was the BBC, but that wasn't World Service. Oh, uh, okay. Sorry, the ad plays all the way through it. So I was like, oh, yeah, it must, I know, it must yeah. be. <laughs> what other ones have they done, Oz? Off the top of your head, can you think of any? Uh, they also did The Assassin, which I absolutely loved, and Death in Ice Valley, which was another great podcast. Oh, yeah, so, I heard the ads for that one. Yeah, the BBC are spinning them out like thick and fast and amazing quality at the moment. And as a Kiwi, I can talk to pacifying Oz's potential bias being from there because <laughs> they, they are brilliant. So um, yeah, in, in today's uh, episode, what I suppose I'd really love for our listeners to take away is just an idea of like all the kind of things you can expect from this podcast and why you need to go out there, download it and listen to it and also subscribe so that when they release their next episodes later in the year, you're ready for them also. Yeah, definitely. And the host of this podcast, Jeff White, 
does just a fantastic job of not only telling the main story about the Lazarus heist, which is a billion dollar bank hack all done digitally, but there's lots and lots of side stories about interesting things that people get up to when they are trying to launder money Mm. or government-sponsored nefarious activities and fake weddings in America that they're sending people to. It was just so interesting because I have no idea that all this stuff goes on in the background, James, and most of it is state-sponsored stuff. Oh, man. Like, we are are looking at a podcast that... Uh, takes you behind the curtain of the FBI. It takes you into the realm of like white hackers and, you know, how many countries did you did you visit in this podcast, oh Holly? God. You went to so Bangladesh, many. you went to Macau, you went to China, you went to America, you were in North South Korea, Korea. England. Yeah, like you were all over the place with this podcast and none of it felt unnecessary. Like it all felt Ooh. like it was part of, you know, like you, you felt like every bit of information that you heard, every story that they decided to go into further detail with or every country they visited all added value to the podcast. So, yeah, I, lo- yeah. I loved it. And just to give our listeners a bit of an overview about the core story in The Lazarus Heist, it all spins around the fact that North Korea, and no surprise, what did I say to you earlier, James? I'm shocked but not surprised yeah, that yeah, they yeah. are involved in these dealings, they are training hackers. The state, the government is finding child computer geniuses so that they can essentially groom them to hack foreign banks, foreign governments. And the story kicks off with a North Korean hacker hacking Sony. Mm. So all of a sudden, can you imagine being at work and all of a sudden all of your swipe cards just stop working? Because we're so reliant on technology. Oh, we are. The way that they got the Sony employees to actually, the way they were able to hack them was that they basically sent them emails saying, click here to see new images of this star naked. Naked um, celebrities. Leaked photos of you know, blah, 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 blah. They knew their audience. Yeah, they they totally did. Yeah, I think one of the, the big things to know is that this could all potentially be a massive revenge plot <laughs> based on the fact that uh-huh. Seth Rogen and James Franco decided to make a movie that didn't allude to the fact that they were talking about Kim, Kim Jong-un or Kim Jong-il. They, like like other movies. So let's say, for example, you take The Dictator that um, Sasha Baron Cohen did. Yeah. That kind of alludes to the fact that he might be talking about General Gaddafi, but like doesn't ever directly do that. They were like, nah, what we're going to do in this movie is we're going to use his name. And in the movie, we are going to successfully assassinate him. Yeah. Like there's this massive belief. It was a yeah, joke. total joke, but there's massive belief that they took that as hugely sacrilegious and decided to, you know, get revenge on the West. And here's what we'll do. We'll go to that same company that allowed the movie to happen and we will show you how vulnerable you are by hacking you and leaking all of your personal data, your salaries of your executives, internal documents to all of the news agents in Hollywood. Like it was yeah. they were hectic in terms of their revenge. Some of the ways that the FBI tracked mm. some of these hackers, so inviting them to weddings at the Playboy mansion and saying, oh, come to this divorce party, it's going to be really lavish, and sending planes and limousines to pick them up. And can you imagine, James, being flown to a country because you think you're going to a wedding and getting into a limo and just the driver turning around you're saying, under arrest. Like, you're like, under arrest, I'm yeah, an FBI driving agent. driving you towards a location and that being jail. <laughs> you're, you're just like... Yeah, exactly. Um, Because, yeah, you do. You get an insight into how the good guys, I suppose, are trying to track down these hackers. And 
the scary thing is that throughout this whole podcast, what becomes really evident is that it's really difficult to trace this stuff directly back to North Korea. Now, although the whole podcast yeah. alludes to the fact that that's where it is believed that all this stuff is occurring, no one can 100% confirm that it is because the systems that they have in place. So if you're looking at how they were making money, right? So at one stage, it said that North Korea was poor, so they needed to make some money. So they decided to get into the illegal distribution of arms, drugs, Viagra, yeah. <laughs> you know, and the, this FBI agent set up a warehouse and wanted to like entrap them, but they're running their operation through a Chinese syndicate that are then running it through mm-hmm. the United States. So yeah, funneling yeah. it back or finding ways to get back to North Korea in this podcast was extremely difficult. Yeah. And, and really scary for those people involved because interestingly, these hackers, in many cases, the North Korean hackers, they're not working on their own. They've been found by the government and maybe sent to China or somewhere else to carry out these hacks. But why they're there, they have to go for these weekly like confession sessions with a minder and tell them what Western activities they might have been involved in, like eating McDonald's or taking their their pins off, which is like yeah. a badge they wear. And this idea that why wouldn't you deflect because you're in this other country, but then when you learn that they're on fake passports, that they're no longer in possession of, and if you deflect, there's a good chance... Is it defect? Defecting. Oh, defect. defecting. Yeah, 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 defecting. That's it. Yeah. But if you do that, escape into, say, China, they will murder your family mm. who are back home. So you are constantly in threat of your family being executed. So you kind of have to carry out these illegal activities otherwise your family gets yeah, killed. And, uh, there, there was one probably beautiful moment through the podcast where you had the chance to talk to some of the people who had defected from the country successfully mm. um, and had been away for years yeah. and, and the podcast yeah Under and the a podcast has a, an awesome opportunity to talk to these people who had obviously lived behind the North Korean wall and were able to talk to people about what that was like and this real touching moment that kind of made it real for you was one of the gentlemen saying, like, I'm sorry, mum and dad, I didn't actually realise that me yeah. doing this would put your lives in danger. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of as, you know, th- this podcast became his avenue to to reach out to them. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it was, yeah, it was really sad. And the idea that you can be killed by association, mm. James. So imagine if I get arrested and they find out that you're my co-host and they just arrest you and you disappear or you go to some camp or you get executed just because mm. you knew me. And by association, that's enough to warrant your death. I think the other uh, key person in this podcast who I think adds so much value is Jean Lee. And so she is an yes. American-born South Korean journalist who through constant trying over many years was able to set up a press office inside North Korea. And so she's got this uh, press office in Pyongyang and she gives such amazing perspective on what it was like living there, mm-hmm. you know, when they got internet and what that was like for them and yeah. how the things we do in the West, we don't realize the impact that that has on people in North Korea. So when yep. there's these rumors going around that America's like hacked or Sony's releasing this movie, She's an American journalist who's living in in North mm-hmm. Korea and fear, yeah. fearful for her life. That's yeah. dangerous. So yeah, yeah I, th- I think it looks at the ripple effects, and she she adds such 
yeah, I thought she was so valuable to this podcast in terms of being able to offer us that insight to a world that not many people know about. No. And she she is a cyber expert. And I find it so interesting that that's a job that didn't exist 20 years ago, James. Mm. And now we have these jobs that need to exist because I think you said it way, way back, many, many podcasts, and I've always remembered it. But any time that we invent something new for good, somebody's going to use it for bad. Oh, uh, when we're looking at sleepwalkers. Yeah. Oh, so, was it? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's so true. Like the, it the, is. The light and shade of anything that we do, right? There's always yeah. that um, nefarious. Um, um, that, isn't that our word of the season? <laughs> like nefarious. Ever since, Brian ever since Brian Class. Yeah, we've always been using nefarious. Um, but it is interesting to think that, for example, internet banking makes our lives so much easier, mm-hmm. but it also then leaves you open to hackers. And what is really interesting, James, that I didn't know about, maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit more about it, is if you do steal a huge amount of money, let's say a billion euros, and you need to clean that money and launder it, tell our listeners about some of the ways that they need to do that. Can we just like pause for a second? Because I want to actually provide that kind of high-level overview. Um, we're looking at a group called the Lazarus Group. And this is who, what Ali was talking about before, these government-trained cyber hackers in North Korea are said to... They're cyber slaves. So, 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 yeah, basically cyber slaves. They make up this, what they call the Lazarus Group, who are responsible for so many of these cyber criminal activities that have taken place over the last 20 years. And... From hacking Sony, we then look at them trying to successfully steal a billion dollars from the Bangladesh people, essentially, mm-hmm. from the Bangladesh, the country of Bangladesh. And oh, these, these criminals are so bloody clever. Yeah. Because let's organize it so that we know that Bangladesh has a Sunday to Thursday week. And because of that, we're going to transfer the money out on a day that other banks will still be working. Mm-hmm. We'll change that further down on Thursday afternoon. So that it hits the other banks on Friday. And when they go to try and contact the Bangladesh bank, that doesn't work. So the yep. money clears. And then it goes to another country. Then it goes to Manila. And they've organized it so successfully so that when it hits Manila, that is a public holiday in Manila. And so yeah. no one can contact Manila to do anything about it. And once the money's cleared in that country, getting that money back mm-hmm. is so difficult. And then these hackers are able to like threaten people in those banks with yep. their lives and their families' lives to release the money into certain bank accounts. That money's then taken out. And some of this money just jumped onto a plane and was never seen yeah. again. Like yeah. that is how what seems like easy it was for these people to take this money successfully. Now they didn't get the whole billion dollars, and uh, they ended up taking you know like a, nearly a hundred million, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Only a hundred. Oh, only yeah. right. But but we look at the fact that like to clean that money, they were, like they then go into like this is where casinos get their real bad reputation because <laughs> let's look at how easy it is to go into a casino and clean. 50 million bucks. I divide that money amongst my staff. I tell them to go in in pairs and gamble. But your only thing is that when you're gambling in your pairs, you have to make a bet that is opposite to the other person. So if you're mm-hmm. betting on roulette, one's on black, one's on red. Now there's a small likelihood that the house might win, but most of the time you're, you're walking You'll out. Break with even. Even, you break even. One of you is winning that money. And um, you are walking out of there with clean cash. Like you can, you can clean money through charities. I mean, they they, there yeah. was, they tried to get this money. Uh, I think it was like a hundred million bucks through, um, or fifty million dollars through a charity. And the only reason why mm-hmm. it got picked up was because of a spelling mistake. So you look at the fact that these people would have walked out of there if it didn't say foundation. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> if, if they didn't forget the O in foundation, these things could have worked really successfully. So, yeah, th- this kind of criminal underbelly, when you link it with modern technology, becomes real scary. Yeah. And I think the access that Jeff White had to people that could really enrich the story. So mm. I loved that story from that casino worker, James, where there's a special room in casinos. I don't know about you, but I've never been in it, where it's only for the high rollers. And you have to use special chips when you're in there. And the people that are in there are transferring half a million, two million, ten million dollars just to come and play with. Mm-hmm. And this casino worker noticed that generally when people are gambling, they're very, very high when they win. So they're really happy. Elated, and then yeah. when they lose, they're really upset. But when this group, the Lazarus group, enter and they are literally just turning over the money and they want to break even they noticed the demeanor was totally off. Oh, they were coming in between 8.30 and 11.30. Yeah. It was like they were going to work. Yeah, and and that just makes you realize that those tiny little observations that you can make, that these people, they're not playing with their own money. They're not not playing to win. They're literally playing to clean the money. Mm. When I think of hackers, I kind of think about that kind of one-man op, that little pest getting in and doing something (laughs) on their own accord. But these people are kind of almost being held at gunpoint to mm-hmm. conduct these activities. And yeah, that kind of idea of like freedom or choice or free will. Mm. It really, it's alien to them. It, it, it seems like, and that casino example of them just going in robotically turning over the money kind of gave me that vibe of robots and people mm. that were just doing things in like, made me wonder, like, would I? Like if my family was yeah held at gunpoint, like yeah. would I do something because mm-hmm. someone was making me? I probably would. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I think I And would. it's not just hackers that are being forced to do things. You also learn about the bomb that mm-hmm. was put on the South Korean plane. Yep. And it was, I think, female assassins that did that. And then you learn that the, the only reason they did it was because they're completely brainwashed and they think that they're furthering the needs of North Korea and they're doing a good thing. Yep. And quite frankly, you don't get a choice. You're doing it. You are taken to the airport and told to put this bomb on a plane. Yeah. And I found that other side story really interesting where those two female individuals from North Korea were told that they were making a YouTube funny video. And one of them was to throw one type of liquid into somebody's face and then the other one threw another liquid. And they were told it was to make this funny YouTube video. And it turns out that this was a really poisonous substance when mixed together and eventually killed the individual who got it in their face. And they had no idea. They were tricked into killing somebody. Terrorism, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think this podcast is so necessary because, like a couple of others that we looked at in the series, this stuff was happening and I don't, I didn't know about it. Did you all? No. Like, no. We, I didn't realise Sony was hacked. I didn't realise no. that uh, the Bangladesh government lost a billion dollars. I didn't realise that. And one of the other things that we look at is that there's a bit of malware that went out into the ether. And so malware is one of those kind of viruses that can get into mm. a computer and do lots of damage. But a bit of malware that you didn't even need to open one of those dodgy yeah. emails saying click here that used the fact that your computer was open to other computers in its network, it used that functionality to spread the virus exponentially. Like it was absolutely yeah. huge. And you meet this 22-year-old hacker from the UK who- Marcus Hutchins. Yeah, like who I just think wanted to know what this malware was. Like he was a hacker already, so he you know did this stuff for a living. 
and asked someone to this, send him. It was called WannaCry, this virus, which <laughs> I just think is so ironic. And it was a piss take because uh, apparently the, the name of the actual software was something very similar, but they yeah. changed it to WannaCry because it's what getting the, the malware makes you want to do. <laughs> yeah, WannaCry. And so, yeah, he's basically got the bit of uh, malware trying to figure out what it is. And he's found this real easy kill switch. When we talk about him finding this kill switch, this isn't before, though, the malware has infected a German railway, it Mm -hmm. has infected the Indian police, it's infected Boeing, it's infected like Russia, like it's it's gone worldwide. This virus Mm -hmm. has been, you know, it's it's just been, it went huge, massive. Operations are being cancelled by the NHS because they're like, our computers are down so we can't do your blood work so you can't have this life-saving operation. Sorry, yeah, of course, that's where it all started, right? Like the the NHS could not complete surgeries on people because Mm -hmm. of it. And and they, they estimate that this virus ended up costing the world in the spaces of like $4 billion, over $4 mm. billion dollars of, of money was lost because this virus went so worldwide. And this 22-year-old hacker found that the kill switch was just by buying a certain domain name. Yeah. And once he had the domain name, the virus stopped. Now, you then turn around and this guy gets all this notoriety <laughs> and all this fame and uh, he goes to like a hacking conference and then he gets arrested because they're like, oh, well, we actually found out that when you were younger, you actually yeah. also helped create a virus that stole money from banks. So we're yeah. going to put you in jail. But and he got off. He got time served, which is good <laughs> because I feel as if when he was a kid, he was building malware for somebody who had kind of bad intentions, not really realizing what he was doing. But he ultimately saved the world from a very, he was, they, they referred to him in the podcast as an incidental hero. And that's a perfect description of somebody who discovers some malware and knows enough about computers to do a bit of investigations and he's able to stop it dead in his tracks. We need more people like that. Mm, for sure. Yeah, like this podcast goes, as we said, around the world. It's it's so interesting. And I think the the reason why I'd really encourage people to go and listen to it is because a lot of this stuff has happened recently mm-hmm. and I don't reckon many people know about it. It's quite no. scary oh, no. to think about how little we knew about this kind of stuff. And what what's even more scary is something they allude to at the end of the podcast is that because we aren't hearing about these kind of things as much anymore, doesn't mean they're not happening. It yeah. actually means that they might be doing it better and that we just need yeah. to be really careful because it's not a matter of if it will happen again. It's a matter of when it will happen again. Yeah, there you go. Go and listen to a podcast that's going to make you <laughs> walk on eggshells and so worried about what you do. Yeah. But this is it. How reliant are we on we, – we don't have – cash money in our houses anymore it's just a number on a screen that if one day you look to your bank balance and it was zero 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 and then the internet went down what would we do i don't i don't know anybody's number i wouldn't be able to find anybody's number without the internet it's just i'd have to start going to like old european families houses and just asking like (laughs) do you still have cash and if so yeah can i sell you some stuff yeah i know (laughs) we're just so reliant on it and it is so open to hackers i've noticed that there is now a big push with i get a lot of emails about keeping client information confidential and ways that we can do that so i think people are becoming more savvy to Mm. the responsibility of looking after this data but then you say that and then I i swear to god like about 20 of my facebook friends in the last couple of weeks have all been hacked with that mm-hmm. whole look what I'm doing and like you know yeah. how the post comes out and then it's telling you that you should click the link as well and I'm just like are we still falling for this I say that and then probably <laughs> yeah you'll be doing it next 
the the thing is though did you hear about McAfee's ceo was found apparently mm-hmm. committed suicide in a spanish jail and i think things like that are just weird what is the ceo of McAfee like it's like jeffrey epstein like it's all yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah. the same yeah conspiracy it's the invisible underworld <laughs> yeah it's it is it is quite scary when you think about how vulnerable we are to our whole lives being hijacked and just and just what happens below the surface like one of the sad things i think that this podcast reminded me of is that yes all this stuff is happening by cyber criminals and terrorists but governments are also working on this kind of information as well and they are developing cyber weapons and they are looking for Mm -hmm. holes and chinks in the and the world like computer science space because yeah it's a weapon for them and if they can use that to I don't know, give ourselves to another country that they're not getting along with at the time or have one up on them. I thought one of the awesome comments that Marcus Hutchins made at the end of the podcast was that all these governments are just hacking each other and, Mm -hmm. you know, they're fighting amongst themselves and everyone, being us, is caught in the middle Mm -hmm. of these governments doing all these kind of things. And sometimes that stuff gets out and it ruins people's lives and they're not the ones taking responsibility for the fact that they knew five years before that malware infected all those companies and cost the world billions of dollars, they're not going to stand up and be like, oh, we actually knew that that was possible, but we didn't tell you because we were using it as a weapon. And on that scary note, James, we do have an announcement for our listeners. Yes. Insert sad music here, please, Jeff. Um, (laughs) Because we are having to take another break in the My Friend Has Never Listened to a Podcast I'm going to call this a franchise now, Oz. Due to I think it's fact, more of a journey than a franchise. Yeah, we'll call it the journey. The My friend has never listened to a podcast journey. We're going to have to take another break because my baby is Woo-wee. five weeks out from being born and apparently Jenna can go at any time now. So uh, as a way of being able to focus on my new journey into fatherhood and also a chance for us to listen to heaps of amazing podcasts and be ready to come back to you for season three. Uh, We are deciding to take a break. At the moment, it's not really decided as to when we will exactly come back. I I don't know. Like James is very confident about his ability to run his own business, be a new father. And return to to service on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And still be able to find a quiet space to A, listen to maybe 10 hours of podcasts a week and then sit down and record in a quiet space. I think let's give it a couple of months, James, see how you go. And then when you are ready and you are in the swing of things, then we'll be back. Yeah, I, I want to develop a bit of routine with baby and then mm-hmm. yeah, and then bring it back. So we are we are taking a hiatus, but for our new listeners, you've got a whole huge back catalogue of like 70 podcasts that you can listen to and get around. And we also have the potential of some bonus episodes dropping a little later as well. So all this and more is what's in store for us as we move forward. But I'm really excited. I just want to say a huge thank you to all our listeners so far. We have absolutely loved this journey Mm -hmm. and it's been absolutely phenomenal. And I think something awesome that's just happened to us, you know, as we're going into the break is that someone like Casefile would offer us Mm -hmm. the opportunity to review one of their podcasts before it drops. It was a big testament for uh, myself and I know Ollie as well that this journey has been worth it and mm-hmm. we've done some really cool things and met some amazing people in the podcasting space. I sound like we're about, like I'm dying. <laughs> I know. We are coming back, people. We're yeah, just yeah, yeah. having a little mini break yeah, while yeah, James yeah. experiences fatherhood for the first time. 
And I do want to say a huge thank you to you, James, as well, because for somebody who's never listened to a podcast, I can see that you are absolutely hooked now and you dedicate (laughs) hours and hours every single week to an activity which wasn't part of your life before and you're an absolute joy to record with. So thank you for the last however many hundred episodes we've done and I look forward to seeing you very soon. See you on the other side. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I can't finish the podcast um, today though without saying thank you back, Oz, because um, yeah, this would never have happened with you. Um, my guru, my podcast queen, <laughs> um, sharing your insight and your wisdom with uh, myself and all our listeners as well. Uh, it's been it's been phenomenal uh, so far and we're looking forward to coming back for uh, a stellar season three. And a huge thank you to Jeff May, our editor, for every single week editing our podcasts and he goes above and beyond because seriously if you could hear the raw data that he gets (laughs) you would realize what a good job he does a wizard he is yeah for sure well um a huge thank you to jeff white to gene lee and the whole team at bbc world service for bringing this podcast together you did a phenomenal job and everyone needs to listen to this podcast please do stay in touch with us even though we're on break so you can still get in touch with us on facebook instagram and twitter you can also drop us an email at myfriendhasnever at gmail.com and send in your recommendations and let us know what you're up to and we will be back with you very soon In season three, we already have an episode in the bank for that actually came through from one of our listeners that we'll be that Mm -hmm. we'll be listening to. So, yeah, we love hearing what podcast you listen to and um, that can actually help guide us in terms of bringing them to a wider audience. We also want to say a huge thank you to MJ from Multidesign for our theme music. All right, James, good luck with fatherhood and I will see you on the other side. I'll talk to you on the other side, buddy. (laughs) 